Welcome to The Lead, a podcast about how to get ahead in the news industry from the people who did. I'm Jacqueline Ganun. On today's episode, I'm talking to Rui Kanea. Rui is a senior editor at ProPublica, where he oversees projects for the local reporting network. He previously worked at other nonprofits and was part of a team at the Center for Public Integrity that won the Goldsmith Prize for investigative reporting. Today, we talk about that project, his investigative work, and why supporting local journalism is important. But first, a word from our sponsors. This episode is produced by the Cox Institute for Journalism Innovation, Management, and Leadership at the University of Georgia's Grady College. To learn more, go to grady.uga.edu slash coxinstitute. Now, here's the lead. Hi, Rui. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So my first question is, what initially drew you to journalism, specifically investigative reporting? Um, kind of fell into it to an extent. I had an internship when I was in college um, at this place called the Chicago Reporter, which was well-known, uh, investigative monthly, um, and basically dedicated itself to doing the kind of journalism that I'm doing now. And um, spent the entire summer at that place and ending up staying longer until I graduated. And, um, you know, that whole experience basically made me realize that's what I really wanted to do. You know, the, if the story is important enough to um, do it justice, you know, you should be spending your time for what it takes to do the digging and, you know, come out with story when it's ready. That's, you know, the entire premise of this, you know, investigative reporting. And, um, you know, that really never occurred to me, you know, while I was studying and, you know, that's something that you should be doing that. But in many jobs that you get within the journalism business, obviously, that's not the kind of luxury you usually get. Um, but, you know, I just kind of fell onto it and, and they gave me the fellowship after I graduated. So, you know, I continued that. And once you kind of get the taste of that, there's like no way I'm going back to any other kind of reporting. Um, that's kind of, you know, how things been for the over 20 years now. And so now you oversee projects for ProPublica's local reporting network. So what does that mean? Uh, what do you do in your role as a senior editor for that? Um, well, first of all, the local reporting network is a, it's a program in which ProPublica partnered with local community uh, newsrooms. And we, right now we have I believe 21 or 22 different projects going. And it, it is a basically a one-year partnership in which we basically pay the salary for the reporter that we work with. Um, they're technically still the employee of that, that newsroom. Um, but basically the idea is that we'll be able to um, have that full-time reporter dedicating uh, the full-time time to really work on this particular project that we decide were you know were worthy of our attention for the entire year so basically people um we have about call out for about three times a year basically to say hey if you have a great investigative story idea that you are itching to do although you know you need more resources or you just don't have the time to really do this in your current job well, you know, we want to work with you. And uh, you know, if, if the idea is good, uh, we're going to pick you and we worked with you for an entire year. Um, so ba we basically pick, right now we actually in, right in the middle of the selection process and we're uh, picking five different projects uh, starting in November. And uh, my job basically as a senior editor is to work with uh, several of those 
newsrooms. Right now, I have a portfolio of five different projects, uh, including one in, in Georgia, based in Savannah. Yeah, and basically, I just oversee the entirety of the what it takes to do this project. So sit down, basically have weekly meetings with the reporter and uh, all of the specialty teams, including all the visual teams, the data team, and they will come come in to talk with us and basically kind of plan out um, things that we can do. Awesome. And so this is a national news organization, like you just said, partnering with local journalists. Why is bolstering local news so important? Well, you know, um, I guess you haven't really seen the decimation in, in the same way that I have seen, you know, over the past 20 years. When I was starting out, you know, the, all the local dating newspapers were still flush with money. Um, you know, they are pretty healthy in terms of uh, all the money that was coming in. Um, that's pretty much gone now, right? Like all of the big paper, you know, in my, in my case, I, I spent my time in Chicago, Chicago Tribune, Chicago Times. I mean, you know, it's not inconceivable that the Tribune would be gone tomorrow if the, the owner decided to just close the shop. It's, it's at that point, right? So all of the things that they used to do 20 years ago and including the investigative teams that they, they used to have, they are pretty much gone. Well, at least, you know, there are skeleton of people still doing that stuff, but not, nowhere near at the level that they used to be doing. Well, we like to fill that void because at the end of the day, local reporters know their area and, you know, know what's important to their communities and they would have the resources and the knowledge of the community to know what's really important and what kind of uh, scoops they could get. So we basically rely on them to really come up with what's really important for them. And it makes sense for us, then we, we will of that. So, you know, what we have is basically resources and expertise in doing investigative reporting. So, you know, it, it seemed like a good, very good fit and it, it's been working pretty well. And so these projects are, uh, you, like you said, a year long. So how do you keep yourself and the reporters you work with on track with such long-term projects? It's um, it's evolving and, you know, sometimes difficult. Um, yeah, you know, you, you feel like you have all the time in the world. You're basically, you know, doing nothing but working on one story or one project for the entire year. And it's actually very, very short time if you think about the kind of the ambition, ambitious project that you have on your hand and uh, the amount of reporting and, and writing that it takes to really uh, make those stories come alive, right? Um, you know, you're talking about months and months of uh, reporting to just do one story and we like to do sort of a rolling series of stories because topics that we choose for these projects are pretty broad. And there's many aspects of the stories that you, you want to get into. But if you do one story and write about all of those different topics or different points that you need to make throughout the story, it just gets buried. So it's better to you know, have the standalone story for each of those important points and actually do that story. So as far as the impact goes of the journalism, you know, that's better to have that way. So you're talking about, you know, ideally at least three stories, maybe four, five, six stories throughout the year. And if you just do the math and you're talking about, you know, a couple of months or three months of investigation. So you really have to map out 
what you really want to do, what are the targets, and when can we get there, and you know what is possible within a year. So once you do that sort of the accounting of what you need to do, et cetera, et cetera, you basically have very little time. So you know that that particular exercise gets you pretty uh, worried already. Um, so it's not like you're just running around and at the leisurely pace doing the reporting. It's like, wow, you know, I have this only this many days to really get this done. And you're talking about some you know, really difficult thing to do. It's so basically, hey, um, we need certain things to happen by a certain date. And, um, you know, and here's what you need to do. So it's just better planning. Um, and if you have that, I think you don't fall behind for the most part. I mean, if things change and, you know, things happen um, in a way that you would not expect most, most of the time to. So you have to allow that kind of time to sort of adjust everything. Um, so it's not uh, exact science, but the entire idea is to have the idea of at least the goal and when you want to do that and kind of work backwards to make that thing happen. That's awesome. I will definitely be implementing that in my own life. Um, I'm in some longer term writing classes this semester, so that definitely will be helpful. Um, so you've previously been on the other side of this equation since you've worked as an investigative reporter and now you're an editor. So what are the differences between being a reporter and editor specifically on these investigative projects? Well, there's a lot of differences now that I get to tell people what to do <laughs> as opposed to no, I'm just kidding. And, you know, it's basically, this is an interesting job. It's not like, um, as an editor, it's not like I'm just pushing the copy, um, you know, um, every day. It's, it's, it's more about, you know, sitting down with the reporter and really figuring out together what we should be doing, the strategies and, you know, the approaches and even, you know, sort of the writing approach um, and how we can actually structure the story. All of that nuances, you work together with the reporter. So in some ways I'm doing the same, exact same thing, except, you know, when it comes to actual reporting, talking to people on the street, you know, going to the sources, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the things that the reporter would do and I wouldn't. And also the difference is that, um, you know, I'm overseeing five different projects. You know, physically I would not be able to to do that if i were to do any reporting uh, at that level of the, of the detail and um you know another crucial difference obviously is that you know since i'm not buried into all of the details of all the reporting that you have to do my job is to kind of keep the reporter to not go too too far into the rabbit hole that everybody gets into you know tell them okay uh given the sort of the where you need to go with the story well this isn't you know worth the fight like you should just you know cut the losses and just move on i have to be that particular voice it's a different role for the most part I, what i'm enjoying now is that you know I, I get to do more or less the same thing it's just a different role so one of the long-term projects you've worked on is called Copy, Paste, Legislate. And that project was done through the Center for Public Integrity, and it looked at how special groups pushed policymakers to make laws that the groups were in favor of. How did you get involved with that project, and what are some of the impacts that it's had? It was interesting because I went to CPI uh, at the very beginning of 2018. And um, 
that project was already going on for a couple of months, I believe. The entire project was about this model legislation that special interest groups will be circulating among the legislative uh, bodies all over the country and trying to have uh, sympathetic lawmakers sponsor the bill based on what you have written already so that you know your interests will be protected or you, you get to do certain things in the way that you want to or usually make money or whatever at the, some people's expense, right? The story or the project came together because the CPI was writing so many different stories in the past that once they start investigating at the bottom of it was the model registration. And they just kept seeing that and they were like, okay, you know, this is there's something going on here that, you know, we should be spending more time to figure out. Why don't we actually figure out how many of these things that there are? And the only way to do that is to, is to really just figure out basically the, um, the copy bills that have been passed around the country and basically just by comparing the, the text, I think we uploaded more than 1 million uh, bills that have been passed in the past and basically analyzed the text to the extent that was like how much similarities there are between the two different bills. And so we were able to figure out at the very least, there was um, 10,000 bills like that that have been passed. That was like way underestimate because of the limitation of what we could do. That was the, so the genesis of that particular project and we were basically going okay that's interesting there are stuff going on that you know people are not particularly aware of because this is some some kind of sausage making in a legislative process right by analyzing these text of the bills we were able to at least get the um, outcome so my job basically was as a reporter was to kind of go backwards okay, I know what this bill, or at least what looks like a model bill is going on and figure out who actually introduced them if, if it was indeed a model registration and what was their motive, you know, what's behind it. And is that to the um, public interest to begin with, or is this for the benefit of some, you know, corporate entity? So yeah, so that, that was my job. And I, uh, one of the main stories that I wrote was about this particular bill that the used car dealerships were pushing so that they can keep selling the recalled cars, even though you have like a, you know, the recall parts like a Takata airbag that would explode if you get into an accident uh, instead of protecting you. Um, but there, there were so many of those cars to the extent that the, you know, those were sitting in their parking lots. So they want to pass a bill in, in a way that they can keep selling them without being liable later, right? So that, that was the basis of the story. And um, I found, I think at the time it was a dozen or so states have introduced them and a couple of states have passed it already. I suppose the impact of that is that, you know, now that I have at least exposed the sort of the behind the scenes intent of this bill and whenever it pops up in it, um, beyond those 12 states and at least the people could use this information to figure out and decide what to do with that particular bill. Yeah, hopefully people can use that as, you know, for context if they see these bills popping up in other places. So that project was done through the Center um, for Public Integrity, which is a nonprofit news site. And so is ProPublica. And so are some other places that you've worked, like Honolulu Civil Beat, 
So in all your time at Nonprofit News, what drew you to that side of journalism and why do you think that Nonprofit News is important? Again, that was kind of the initially, at least, um, kind of accident. The Chicago Reporter, where I started, was also a nonprofit magazine. And, you know, when it came time to to move on from that and figure out where to go, you know, by then it was like the the for-profit entities, the big dogs in, in town, Chicago Tribune, the sometimes, they were in financial trouble and was like, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that because everybody's getting laid off. Why would I put myself in that situation, right? And nonprofit at the end of the day were actually thriving because, you know, it's just a different business model in many ways and more to do with sort of the service of journalism and what it does to the public good as opposed to, you know, making somebody rich with double digit profit margins, right? Um, so that's kind of way it's been for majority of the 20 plus years that I've been in this business. And so unless I get some kind of miracle offer from, you know, big dogs like that, who somehow are financially completely stable, I probably not gonna be, you know, going into the for-profit side of things uh, anytime soon. And, you know, there just aren't many places like that nowadays, right? So yeah, that was, purely that reason. It's like, I don't want to be in a situation where I'm fearing for my job every day. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, I'm thinking of the recent Gannett layoffs that have, you know, left a lot of reporters without a job. It's absolutely not good. Um, and I know nonprofit news is also becoming a bigger and bigger part of the news ecosystem as these legacy newsrooms kind of continue to downsize. Um, but yeah, I interned at a nonprofit last summer and I thought it was great. I thought it was an amazing experience. Um, so yes, I'm a supportive nonprofit news as well. Um, so what advice do you have for aspiring investigative journalists? I think as soon as you do figure out, you know, if it's investigative thing that you want to do or something else in, in the journalism business, then, you know, do what I usually do with any project I take on, figure out the goal and work your way backwards and figure out what it takes really for you to get there to that goal. And there is realistic sort of step-by-step -step thing you can be doing, you know, if your ultimate goal is to end up at a place like Popovica, for example, or at least, you know, newsroom that will let you do investigation exclusively and, you know, not, necessary cover breaking news every day or something like that okay then well you have to be uh sort of you know you have to be basically marketable uh in that particular job opening when it, when it does open up right you know for you to be marketable well you have to have certain things in your resume and some certain kinds of skills and certain kinds of clips okay well what do you need to really get there to, to have that thing on your resume and just keep figuring out. And it might take you years to kind of build up that kind of resume, but at least you can start now. You know, you don't have to wait until you, you get the first job. Well, you, you can start learning about, you know, some data stuff that you could do as, to, to build a bit of data skills, um, you know, things like that. Build up sort of the schedule, just like you do with the investigative stories and uh, just build from the from the very beginning. Well, at least build from the goal and then start from now. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was lots of fun. 
Thanks again to Rui for joining me on this episode. I'm your host, Jacqueline Ganun. Our executive producer is Charlotte Norsworthy, and this show is supported by the Cox Institute. To keep up with the lead and to hear more from media leaders, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on Twitter. We're at The Lead Podcast. See you next time.